Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, where we answer your questions and offer solutions about business and career to help you unlock your potential. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy himself, Michael Whitehouse. It's so exciting to be finally answering your questions right here on this show. Of course, in my coaching, I work with people directly and answer questions all the time, but I'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to solve your problems and answer your questions where everyone can hear them. We really benefit a lot of people. So let's get started. Our first question is from Joan in Nevada. She asks, I have a question. I need your thoughts. I have a company wanting to purchase my business. I've had it for 21 years, and they're wanting to purchase and have me work for it for five years. I would get a yearly salary with vacation benefits and medical benefits. I would need to sign a non-compete, of course. They would put down a deposit and pay me the remainder over seven years with interest. I would also earn 15% commission on any revenue. Help, please. I just need advice. Uh, my kids don't want to take over the business. My husband is uh, also not well and um, – so this is really the only option I have for the business. So, Joan, uh, it sounds like the best answer for your situation right now is definitely to be selling the business. Uh, a couple things to watch out for. Uh, first, um, a little bit concerned about them paying over time. You want to make sure that you have a good lawyer look over that contract and make sure they're locked into that because you don't want them to say, oh, well, your business didn't last seven years because – one of the things they can do is they can take the debts from buying your business and then put it on your business and then crush your business with it. That's how Toys R Us went out of business. So make sure that you have a good expert look over this agreement and that you're not going to get uh, stuck there. But it looks like having that commission on revenue is a good thing. It's going to keep you engaged. You know, If you get paid no matter what, then you're going to lose interest. And you're going to get bored. But if you keep that commission on revenue, that's going to be good. Uh, plus, they're going to pay you. And, of course, the non-compete uh, sounds reasonable. They don't want you taking your book of business and running somewhere else. Um, but this seems like a generally good concept um, as long as they're good people. This is also a very important thing. The company that you're going to be working for this company for five years and are not going to be able to leave. So make sure that it's someone you want to work with. Also, possibly have an escape clause in the contract. You know, have something where if they don't treat you right or if uh, if you want to, whatever, there'd be a penalty, of course. You'd lose the commission. Maybe you'd lose a portion of what they're paying for the company because, of course, they're not getting you anymore. But make sure there's an escape clause because you don't want to be a year in and say, I'd rather poke my own eyes out than deal with these people for another day and you know, lose everything. So be sure to have someone look at that and see what that's that's all about. But uh, that's one of the challenges when you have a business. Of course, it's your baby. It's something you really care about, something you created with your own hands, and now someone's going to buy it and put it in their portfolio, and they're not going to care about it like you do. But it does mean it will survive, and more importantly, a business is about money, ultimately. So if you can't get that value out of the business, then, then what's it going to do for you? Nothing. We have a next question. Leah from Jacksonville, Florida asks, I had an employee who made a huge mistake and it cost me a lot of money. How should I respond? Well, there's not a lot of information in this question, unfortunately, but I'm going to talk about it generally. Uh, so it depends on the employee. You know, for some employees, yes, you, you're going to want to fire them uh, if you expect they're going to make a lot of huge mistakes. However, it's a mistake to believe that you, you should automatically fire an employee just because they screw up and lose you a bunch of money. Because here's the thing. You know, if I'm looking at, at what airline I want to fly on, I want to fly on the one that most recently had a plane crash. Why? Because you know they went through everything. They went through all their their maintenance process. They went through their training because they don't want to have another plane crash. Because one thing for an airline to have an accident, but if an airline has two crashes back to back, 
that's going to be devastating and unrecoverable. So you know they are paying attention. Oftentimes, when something goes horribly wrong, whether it's a plane crash or an employee mistake, it's simply because the attention wanders. They get complacent. Well, the employee who just made a huge mistake, who you made it very clear how huge the mistake is, um, you might want to get them involved in trying to fix the mistake, clean up the mistake, not to rub their nose in it, but just so they they own it. You know, Make sure they acknowledge it. Uh, that person's going to be really diligent next time about making sure that mistake never happens Again, if you fire them, they could end up getting a job with your competitor with the knowledge that you paid a lot for them to gain, and then their competitor ends up gaining from it. Mistakes are how we learn, and we realize as entrepreneurs, of course, mistakes are how I learn. I made mistakes that came out. My company went under. I learned a lot from that, and now I've learned. That's great. But we don't give our employees the same credit. You know, I learned through mistakes. You should be perfect. Well, that's not quite how it works. Especially if you are managing your employees well and you're giving them latitude and autonomy, employees need to know they can make mistakes and survive it. Otherwise, you're going to have cautious employees. Cautious employees don't share new ideas. Cautious employees don't try new things. And cautious employees make your company cautious. That means when things change, which they inevitably will, I mean, we're in the middle of a global pandemic right now, so that's certainly a change, but even just regular market changes. When the market changes, you want to make sure your employees are ready to respond to it and aren't just trying to do the same old thing because it's the safe thing to do. So um, now the, the exception to this with, with the employee would be if they are not repentant about it, if they say, well, I didn't do anything wrong, it's not my fault, that shows they're not learning anything. right? If something goes wrong, if the results are bad, the response should be, I own that. Even if it wasn't them, maybe it was their employees. You know, maybe it's the employees, the people who report to him. Maybe it was given bad information. Maybe it's your fault, and and you set him up in some way that that he couldn't possibly succeed. But he should not be pointing fingers. He should be saying he or she should be saying, "How could I have done better?" Because that's all that really matters is how could that one person have done better. That's that's really all it comes down to. So that was a great question. Thank you so much for that. Our next question is from Bob from Newton, Massachusetts. He says, I got laid off back in April, and I just lost the enhanced unemployment, that extra $600 the federal government was giving. I'm running out of money. I've been applying to, for jobs online, but I've only gotten two interviews, and neither of those have called me back. What should I do? Well, in my book, I have a chapter that explains that I only actually send resumes out through online job sites if I don't really want the job. And you'll have to read the book to understand how that makes some sense. But the challenge with those kinds of jobs, job sites and you know, going into the grinder of job seeking – now, some people have success with it. And if you're having success, great, awesome. But if you're not, it's probably because you're in some field where your skills and your unique talents aren't standing out. So you're ending up in a stack of jobs. How easy is it to apply for a job? You click apply now, automatically sends it, maybe write a cover letter. And if they print it out, which they might not even – it could be a thousand pieces of paper. It could be five inches tall of resumes. What are the chances you're even going to be seen, let alone spoken to? Many of these uh, companies use algorithms to sort through their job leads. And so that's just not where you want to be, right? You're not a cow working through a cattle yard being just shuffled through. You want to be a person with skills and talents and strengths. This is what I do in my coaching very often is I help people identify their unique talents and strengths and what they can get paid for them and what it's worth. Well, so let's assume you do not want to launch your own business because if you do, that's a whole different thing, but you want a job. So how do you get one? 
You need to get out of the cattle yard, stop being pushed along through the process, and you need to talk to people who can actually hire you. Now, this is something you learn in sales. you got to talk to a decision maker. You can't talk to just anyone around. You can't talk to the, the receptionist. They're not going to buy. You need to talk to a decision maker. That means you need to talk to the hiring manager, the boss, the vice president, whoever is the company who makes the decisions or influences the decisions. Well, how do you do that? You certainly can't put in an application that way. So you need to find other ways around to reach them. Here's what I recommend. There's an entire chapter on this in my book, The Guy Who Knows a Guy. Here's this, the process I recommend. Pick something you really, really want to do. Not something you think you can kind of get by on. Something you're excited about. Something you really want to know about. You know, let's say, well, I've always worked in accounting because I've got a bookkeeping background and that's just what I do. Do you love it? If you love it, awesome. But if you don't, what have you always wanted to do? Well, maybe you've always wanted to, to work in uh, art museums. Sure, let's take that for example. Well, make a list of everyone you know who is near or in that industry, in any area, whether they're the janitor who works at the museum, the CEO, anyone. Make a list of everyone who's a close contact of yours, or even a remote contact, someone who might recognize your name if you say it. Call them up. Say, hey, Joe, I'd love to pick your brain. I'm going through a bit of a career change, and I really – I just love the art world, and I'd love to get into it. I don't even know how, but you're in it. Uh, in some way, I'd love to just grab a cup of coffee or get on a Zoom call, pick your brain, get your thoughts as to who I should talk to, what I should do, what I need to know. You know, just just want to get your advice. Most people, especially if they're your friend or even your acquaintance, will gladly give you 15, 20 minutes of their time to give you some advice. You're not asking for anything. You just want to get their advice. And people love giving advice. Why do you think I started a podcast all about giving advice? People love giving advice. Makes them feel smart. All right. So that was a great question. We're right back with another question right after this. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast, we welcome you to share our links with them. Tell me if this sounds like you. You have prospects you haven't called back because you can't find the time or you can't find their number. Your filing system involves different stacks of paper on your desk and maybe other flat surfaces in your office, your chair, the floor, whatever. You're awesome at what you do, but this business thing, the systems, the processes, the filing, the organization... Nobody taught you that stuff when you were getting started. If this sounds like you, or maybe someone you know, I'd like to introduce you to Asper Solutions. Abby Asper will come in, set up filing systems, CRM systems, workflow, manuals, and the rest of that business stuff so you can focus on doing what you do best, focusing on what you got into business for in the first place. Most of her clients find the organization and order she creates pays for itself many times over in saved expenses, Better customer service resulting in sales and recurring business. Find Asper Solutions at www.aspersolutions.com. So grab one of those random slips of paper in your office and write it down, www.aspersolutions.com. Let Abby bring some order to your office. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to Michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy himself, Michael Whitehouse. So you go talk to Joe. He gives you advice. Now, be an active listener. Write down notes. Say things to acknowledge that you've heard him. Never, never, never argue with the people you're doing this with. Oh, my God. Never argue with them. They are geniuses. 
at least make them feel that way. Now, some people you're going to meet with are going to be nutballs. That's fine. Don't tell them that. Make them feel good. And then ask them, hey, who else should I talk to? You know, working down this path, who else do you think might have some ideas, some more thoughts that might help? You are trying to make your problem their problem. You're trying to build that connection, build a relationship with them. As you do this, what's going to happen is that they're going to become invested in your problem. When your problem becomes their problem, they're going to want to solve it. So maybe introducing you to some people they know is going to solve it. Or maybe just offer you a job is going to solve it. You're not going in looking for a job, but if you happen to be talking to the vice president, the president, the owner, the CEO, there's a good chance they'd be like, you know what? You seem like a good guy. How many people have you talked to in this process? How, how many people have you talked to researching this? Well, I'm up to 27 now. Holy moly. You've talked to 27 people just to learn about the industry? Yep. Yeah, 27 so far. i got six more appointments of people I'm going to talk to. Wow. You have now proven to them that you're a hard worker, you're committed, you can follow through a project. That's ultimately all they're trying to do in an interview anyway is figure out who might be that person and you just showed them you're that person. And here's the thing too. If a thousand people who need a job listen to this podcast, I would be shocked, shocked if more than 30 actually took my advice and did the work. Most people won't do the work. So if you do the work, it puts you way, way, way ahead. Good luck, Bob. And, uh, you know, it's a tough world out there if you're a stranger, but if you start to get to know people, you'll find the world gets much, much friendlier. So our next question is from Alexis from New York. She says, people keep telling me that I should be careful what I say on social media because it could impact my ability to get a job. But I really care about what's going on in the world. It's important that we speak up about things that matter. Should I just stay quiet about what's important to me so I can get a job? Well, that is a somewhat complex question, Alexis. Uh, so if you have opinions on things that matter, you should share them. However, you should share them thoughtfully. One trap a lot of people fall into is sharing memes or sharing posts and not sharing their own ideas, but simply regurgitating other people's ideas. Something that's happened lately is a lot of propagandists, for lack of a better term, a lot of people trying to shift ideas are bundling ideas together. So they'll put together a couple different things. You know, for example, they might try to associate violence and pedophilia. Well, everyone's against pedophilia, but then they try to get you to speak in favor of violence as because you're against pedophilia. You know, pretty much everyone's against pedophilia. Not everyone's in favor of violence. But if you say, given the choice, would you punch a pedophile? Yeah, most people punch a pedophile. However, here's the problem that these are sometimes agendas that are part of a larger agenda. So be very careful about sharing those memes. In fact, I generally don't share any memes. I'll occasionally share one if I'm very sure what it says, what it implies, what it's about. However, if you want to talk about what you believe, not what this guy in office did or what the Republicans do or what the Democrats do, that's, that's political partisanship. That's horse racing. But if you want to talk about what you believe, like I do in my last word segment in this podcast, that's a very different thing. Now you're educating people. Now people on the right and the left may read your opinions, detailed, fact-based, supported opinions, and say, wow, that's interesting. I don't necessarily agree with it, but you bring up some interesting points, and I like that. So when you're talking about you know, what Biden's son did in Ukraine or what Trump did on a boat or you know whatever, that's – then you're getting into this nitty-gritty soap opera stuff of who did what to whom for how many jelly beans. But if you're actually talking about the theory, the concepts, 
ideas of making the world a better place, what is justice, what is fairness, what is good, these are conversations worth having that get you out of that political morass and into a more intellectual conversation where someone might look at that and say, I like how she thinks. I might offer her a job. So, should you talk about politics in the horse-trading National Enquirer sort of way? No, I really don't think you should. But should you talk about the ideas behind it? And should you share substance? Yes. Go ahead and do that. Our next question today is from Eloise in Washington. She asks, I have not gotten a raise in over a year. I was promised a review in April, but when the pandemic hit, my boss told me that all raises have to be frozen because of the uncertainty. My division is profitable, and I've had more than one idea that has made the company money. Am I being greedy to expect a raise during an economic crisis when so many people are actually being laid off? No, you are not being greedy at all. You don't work in the economy. You work for this company. And so, yes, the company has uncertainty, and maybe they have other divisions that are, that are in trouble, and they have financial issues. You know whose problem that is? Not yours. It's their problem. You are providing value to this company, and chances are, I can't guarantee it, chances are you are underpaid. You are probably being paid far less than what you're worth. The way most people find out they're underpaid is that they, they go freelance, they become a contractor, and they go back to the company that they were working for and get paid twice as much when they go back. Chances are, if you're actually having these ideas that make the company money, now, it may be you think you're having ideas and you're actually not, but if you honestly are providing value to the company, then you are worth much, much more. And generally, raises are what? 2%, 3%, 4%? You know, it's nothing. It's nickels and dimes. They probably spent more on chairs this month than you're asking for in a raise, but they get into this mindset of, well, Lock all raises. No raises for anyone. No hiring for anyone. Lock it all down. Got to lock it down. Well, that's that's ridiculous, and it's not fair to you. So if you think you deserve a raise, get it. And if your company is so unstable that they can't pay you, they can't give you this tiny pittance of a raise, look for something else. Don't get your personal economic news from the newspaper or from TV or from the Internet. Because, yes, the economy writ large is in trouble. What, 30% unemployment? Millions and millions of people out of work? Especially in certain segments. If you're a waiter, you're in a lot of trouble. If you're a massage therapist, you might be in a lot of trouble. If you're a travel agent, this is probably not a good time for you. But my business is doing very well. I've actually increased my, my business revenues about 60% over the past three months partly because I advise people on how to deal with uncertainty. All right, well, we'll be back right after this with more of your questions. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegaywhoknowsaguy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast, we welcome you to share our links with them. Here's your host, The Guy Who Knows a Guy himself, Michael Whitehouse. And how to deal with pivots, so I'm in the right place at the right time. But... For you, if you're doing things that make a difference, if your division is profitable, find a company that does just what your division does. That, that company is going stratospheric. They're going ballistic. They're making money. Join the companies that are making money. Find who's doing well. Find the winning teams in this economy and try to play for them. And if you're getting good results in your current company, you should be able to do that and you should be able to get, make more money when you do it. So never worry about – never give into this this thing where people tell you, Oh, you're, you should just be lucky you have a job. I got laid off. My brother got laid off. My roommate got laid off. Yeah, 
good for them. They were in the wrong industry. And if they got laid off, what are they doing about it? How are they finding a new job? How are they going to pivot? That's not your problem, right? You want to loan them some money? Fine. But don't take their advice. You want to buy them some food? Put gas in their car? Great. Absolutely. Good on you. But don't take their advice. Don't take the advice of unemployed people on how to manage your job situation. Don't take the advice of broke people on how to manage your money. So, no, at any given time, what the economy is doing, the big picture, does not matter at all. It's what's happening in your own personal economy and how you're advocating for yourself to make it the best it can be. And here's the thing. When you do that, now you've got money to give to your unemployed brother-in-law who can't find a job because he can't get off the couch. So you're really doing something good for everyone by standing up for yourself. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And these have been some great questions. And please send me your questions either in written form or you can record a voice memo. Email it to michael at guy who knows a I would love to answer more of your questions and help you out any way I can. Of course, if you feel you need more, more hands-on, you know, direct contact, email me, michael at guy who knows a um, We can talk on the air. We'll do a you know, brief back and forth about your question. Or if you need a little more than that, I am a coach, and I am available for hire, and I would love to work with you directly, hands-on. Uh, visit my website, guywhoknowsaguy.com. Click the little calendar button to set up a quick 10-minute call, and we can talk about if and how I can help you. I look forward to hearing your questions next week. This is the last word from Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. Stop selling yourself short. So many people have tremendous skills, tremendous potential, tremendous work ethic, and they accept pay that they can barely survive on. If this describes you, then I'm talking to you. If not, skip ahead about three minutes and forward a link to this podcast to someone it does apply to. But stop selling yourself short. You deserve better. You deserve to be paid what you're worth. Now, let's be clear. There are more ways to be paid than money. D-Rock originally worked for Gary Vaynerchuk for free, and that was a great deal for D-Rock because he got to spend 50 hours a week shoulder to shoulder with Gary V. I'm talking about accepting 15 or $20 per hour when you're making your boss twice that. To be fair to your boss, they probably don't realize they're taking advantage of you. If you were to ask them for a raise, they'd tell you about the rent and the truck payment and the insurance and the taxes and all the rest. That's their problem not yours. If your $15 per hour job is grossing them $50 per hour, it doesn't matter if the surplus is going to the rent or their new yacht. The fact of the matter is that you deserve to make enough money to be comfortable and even save a little. And if they can't give you an extra 2 or $3 out of the substantial surplus, then either the business model needs some work or you're getting the short end of the stick. Even if you don't have any particular skills, you have your work ethic. If you're listening to a podcast like this, You've got some kind of work ethic, and so many employers I speak to say they would gladly train someone if they could find someone mature enough to actually show up on time every day, ready to work. That's all they're looking for. A lot of people out there in this crazy economy are thinking, well, that's all well and good, Michael, but they're just lucky to have a job, right? Wrong. No boss is ever doing you a favor to give you a job. They are getting value from you, because if they are not... I assure you, you are out the door. By keeping a mediocre job where you can't live on the wages you make, you are worse off than if you were unemployed. I'm going to say that again. By keeping a mediocre job where you can't live on the wages you make, you are worse off than if you were unemployed. If you're unemployed, you can deploy an aggressive networking job-seeking strategy and find something good. 
If you're underemployed, your energy and time are drained, preventing you from growing and achieving more than a subsistence level. Now, I don't mean that you should go out, run out, quit your job tomorrow. But I am saying that if your job doesn't meet your needs, you need to start looking for something better. Start asking friends. Start reaching out to people with connections. Start networking. But stop selling yourself short. Stop thinking you're lucky just for having a job, even though it doesn't serve your needs. You deserve better. Here's the thing. I'm not just some podcast personality speaking from the safety of my ivory tower. I will put my money where my mouth is. Go to my website. Set up a call. I can tell you step-by-step what you can do to empower yourself. Stop selling yourself short. You deserve better. And that's my last word. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash the guy who knows a guy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast, we welcome you to share our links with them. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced by Patrick Ochang of Black Orange Solutions. If you want to look and sound as good as I do, talk to Patrick. His website is www.blackorangesolutions.com. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Find me on the web at www.guywhonowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhonowsaguy.com. Naturally, we can never guarantee your question will be read on the air, but we try our best to reach as many as we can. This is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you're willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.